0: Welcome everybody into the valley. I am Ethan shut joined as always by Ryan and Philip. We are a part of the Brightside Podcast Network. So if you're listening on the Brightside feed, thank you for giving us a listen. And if you're watching on the YouTube channel, hello, I'm physically waving at you for the audio folks. Sorry about it. But we are here at the end of a pretty eventful week of Suns basketball. Um I don't know how copyright music works, but I was going to have taps playing or something very sad and dramatic. More than likely, the podcast will be titled uh, In Memory of Colon The Streak or something incredibly stupid because it's coming out of my brain. But we finally have a loss to talk about. So we'll get there. We'll get there. Did start off with some highs, though, before, before we got to the eventual loss to the Warriors. But looking at the week since we last recorded, it started with what was the game of the year as touted by us. I don't know if everyone else felt the same way, but started with the win at Golden State, followed it up, breaking the franchise winning streak against the Pistons, and then eventually losing Friday evening to the Warriors. Ryan, I'm going to start it with you just looking at the week as a whole. Anything really jump out to you or or one kind of thing that really stuck with you this week? I mean, I think what what this week told
1: us is the Suns are exactly where they where we thought they were. That they can hang with the the best teams in the league. They, uh, they are can beat the, who We exactly, thought they were. That's. I, I think that's exactly right. You know, I was going into the first Warriors game, I was a little apprehensive. Even though last week on the pod, Philip specifically said, "Hey, don't get too worked up about this game," uh, because I viewed I viewed game one especially after and I'm sure we'll talk about kind of what happened in that game, uh, I viewed game one as, as the litmus test to see where the Suns stack up against teams like Milwaukee and Golden State. We obviously got the win, which was great, uh, but I th- I think what we saw is we were a team who can can compete um, and uh, play with anybody in the league, and that feels good moving forward, loss or no loss a couple days later.
0: Philip, I saw you make a face. What are your thoughts?
2: Who, who is that team
0: from the East that you
2: were talking about?
0: The bucks, the, the books.
2: Oh, you weren't talking about the second place, sixteen and eight Chicago Bulls. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I, I, thought I might have missed our sorry. I thought I might have. I'm missed still
1: me. sleeping on Alex Caruso and DeRozan over here.
0: Hey, look, when Caruso gets that second ring, man, people are going to be talking about him in the goat category. I don't know what it's, we're going to do. It's Steph
1: Magic and Caruso, right? Can we?
0: I'm going to give myself ten minutes here. Coming from some of the ten seconds, that seems more realistic to say out loud. Caruso is coming from some of the most annoying fans, two teams in a row. I don't. Did he get drafted by the Lakers? Was he with the Uh, Lakers the whole time? Yeah, I think he's with the Lakers the whole time. Lakers fans are incredibly annoying, just across the board. And I know it's not as much with basketball, but for football, A and M fans suck. Sorry to any listener, though happened to be an Aggie and and the gig with the thumbs, but Caruso Caruso was played for some very loud and loyal fan bases, which would make sense that he has become the meme Lord and secret defensive legend that he has. But it makes me really happy that he's with Chicago and not LA and hearing that he wanted to go back to LA and they wouldn't cough up the bag. Good on him, man. All the successes to you, but yes, Philip, the bulls are good at basketball.
1: Uh, You still got about eight more minutes left, Ethan. Yeah, my bad. I think I'm going to go ahead
0: and make a small amendment and (laughs) say I'm fine where I'm at. You're not going to take
1: a quarter of our time
0: tonight to talk about Alex Caruso. I don't know. I I don't know what I would even do except talk about his headband and his
2: baldness. That's about talk about. I can talk about his defense for a while, but welcome back everybody into the Valley of Phoenix, Phoenix Suns podcast. <laughs>
0: podcast. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> and that diversion
2: was all on me. So hey, we're, me... we're all basketball fans here. It's all that's right. that's
0: fine. No, it was it was a it was a good week. And to your point, Ryan, I I tried not to be too concerned about the first game um, on Tuesday, but I mean that said, I felt the same way as I did about the Nets game, where it's. If we lose, it's okay. It is the regular season. I'm still trying to break out of my postseason funk where every game was do or die. And we were so emotionally invested with every single second of every quarter. And good to pump the brakes. Good to take a step back. But it was an exciting game. And it's always fun when the rest of the basketball world is focused in on your team, right? This thing that is kind of yours. And we've been watching every game, obviously, but it's fun to let that kind of open itself up in such a big game like that. Uh, And I was thrilled with the win. Uh, I think I would trade it uh, for Booker's health, uh, which I know we'll probably touch on in a second, but the win was cool and it did allow for the Pistons win, which set the franchise record. It's cool that that happened. It's convenient that they did that since there wasn't going to be another win to follow. So Philip, anything jump out to you other than, Chicago Bulls-related basketball things?
2: Just because I don't think we're going to touch on it too much, the Suns in the fourth quarter against the Pistons were really good down the stretch, and that that is completely reasonably an overlooked game for the week. The Suns shot 11 for 15 in the fourth quarter against the Pistons against a young inexperienced and just kind of a bad team who went on a big run in, in the third, third. Yeah. did a, Just did a really good job down the stretch. And I thought that was really encouraging without Booker. Some of the guys stepping up, Landry and Cam Johnson specifically, not just in making shots, but executing down the stretch. I was really encouraged by that this week.
1: I hadn't thought about us potentially overlooking them, but when you look back at the games that surrounded it, you go Brooklyn, Golden State, Pistons, Golden State, like... We, we would have had every reason to just sleep on that game, focusing on those other two teams. So that's a, that's a good point to bring out that I hadn't even really considered because I was so lasered in on those
0: no, Golden State games. Yeah, and that's fair. And maybe some of our highs, lows, you guys might touch on the Pistons game. I did want to mention, as it is getting brought up, uh, one, to both of your all's points, in terms of one, it's a game to sleep on. But Booker gets hurt in the Warriors game. The Pistons game was the first Game where you could actually game plan for, like, what did the Suns look like without Booker? So I thought that was really interesting. And my favorite Ethan specific stat that I'm going to keep track of, which is how many games did the Suns never trail after the first quarter? The Pistons almost ruined it for me. Just like a couple weeks ago, the Suns didn't lead the entire first quarter, got a lead going into the second, and never trailed again. The Pistons' massive run cut it to one. And I was like, crap, they're going to ruin my thing. But to Phillip's point, the Suns got beat up, punched in the mouth a few times. And then it said, hey, we're the better team here, whether we have all our guys or not. And then I think they went on a little run of their own, kind of put it away. Uh, and it's good to see that. Uh, one, with the adversity of not having Booker for the first full game. Two, coming off the emotional high of the Warriors game. And also knowing that you then have the Warriors again the very next night. So that was tough. And, and I think, you know, road trip on both, right? It was, no, it was at home and against Detroit. And then they went all the way and played at Golden State the next night, which I I think it's one of those things we talk about, like, oh, yeah, it'd be tough to play a, a second game of a back-to-back or oh, two road games in a row. Sometimes I just don't think I can even imagine how taxing and tiring that would be of just flying everywhere. Even if you're in bougie planes and private planes and you have all this stuff, um, tick of all things has been really cool. Watching athletes kind of post like, Hey, here's our travel. Here's our hotel situation. Like they've got it good. Don't get me wrong, but that's still exhausting. Um, so crazy to think that that is just the normal life for these guys, but anything else kind of big picture stuff before we break into the, uh, Somehow here to stay highs, lows, and just so he knows.
1: It's locked in forever, baby. It's not going anywhere.
0: It seems like it's not. Well, before we get into it, just another reminder. If you are listening on the Bright Side Network, we'd love for you to comment or subscribe to the channel, whether you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any of those good things. We appreciate the Bright Side folks putting up with us and letting us be a part of their family here with SB Nation as a whole. And if you're watching on YouTube, hop in those comments, feel free to subscribe We do keep the YouTube going because we also enjoy having another uh, avenue to talk to the folks listening. It's been a really good opportunity for you guys to ask questions and make comments as well. So, that said, our highs, our lows, and our just-so-you-knows in Phoenix Suns basketball, Philip Russell. Highs for the week. Get it started for us.
2: Defense on Tuesday. It was as good as advertised, as good as you could have even hoped for it to be a couple things. Number one, Mikhail did a really nice job against Steph. I, As a bit of an outside observer, some of the discourse back and forth between Suns fans and Warriors fans was just annoying this week for me, where it was just like, Steph missed some shots and Mikhail played really good defense. And that's pretty much all you can say about cause and effect over who did what. There were several shots in the game. I think we talked about 11 points that we wouldn't have been at all surprised if Steph had 11 extra points. And if Steph wound up with 23, I still would have said Mikhail played really good defense on, on Steph, especially with the amount of the amount of shots that he took. I thought Mikhail and DA switching onto Steph was really good on Tuesday. And then in the second half, the Suns did a much better job making life hard for Jordan Poole. Poole Got a couple open looks that uh, made him pretty frisky. In the first half, but I thought the defense really stepped up in the second half, blocking him down a little bit and just making his life a little bit harder. Because to not get too far into the basketball nerddom, what makes what makes a guy like Poole so dangerous on the Warriors is that a Steph Draymond, a Steph Iguodala, even though he didn't play this week, pick and roll draws so much attention because those are it's usually two exceptional playmakers. That when they swing the ball to the weak side, and then you have a player of Jordan Poole's scoring ability, then coming downhill or stepping into a three, that's just really hard to defend. And the Suns did a much better job in the second half than they did in the first half.
0: I was going to say, even without a really good pick and roll, which they have, if you are a third, fourth, I mean, fifth option, and you can be that dangerous, Defensively, you're not getting stuck with Mikhail hounding you for a full 48 or whatever. Uh, I mean, but Poole was their Steph Curry to begin that game. And uh, super, super interesting game how it all went. Also have different the first game and second game were against the Warriors. Uh, Ryan, high for the week for you. Uh, mine is just the fact that we, as cliche as this one is, that we got the record before
1: we got the loss. Um, the franchise record, 18, 18 consecutive wins, especially when you put it in perspective that it was just a few years ago that we won 19 total games in a season. Uh, to put together a, a franchise record of 18 straight is just special. And you look at a lot of the special things that have been happening uh, for the Suns in, in the last really two years, essentially. You've got the the eight-game bubble run. You've got the, the 4-0 sweep of Denver in the in the playoffs, and now you've got this 18-straight win streak. Um, it's just been... Uh, again, we talk about it a lot on the podcast, but I, I like to make sure that we're taking the time to appreciate the good things that we have while we have them. Uh, and What we just had was a really special run, and I'm really thankful that we were able to hit that franchise record before taking the L. Um, just for morale reasons, especially for the guys, they deserved to get that record. If there was a, a team in the Suns history to get a record other than the old uh you know probably Nash Stoudemire Marion days. Uh, this is the team that deserves that record. Uh and I'm glad they got it before taking the L in that second Warriors game.
0: Yeah no I and you know Monty said over and over and a lot of the players said over and over we aren't talking about the streak. We're happy to win another one. We're happy they to they were another absolutely one. talking you about the I mean? streak like, I don't believe that for a second. But uh, and here's my thing and I need to fact check this this is one of those ones that popped up into my head hey don't let don't let a a capital one ad pop up like last time hey the computer is nice and muted thank you very much uh but if I'm not mistaken wasn't was Aiton's first year Aiton and Bridges first year wasn't that a 19 win season am I it was either the first or second I can't I can't remember which year it was I mean off the top of my I head. That's looking. one of the crazy things for me, just kind of touching but on. But they've your, experienced your both.
1: Yes, they, like, they, they referenced that in a press conference that they've been on the, the, on the streak where they lost so many.
0: And now this one. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's a crazy thing. They won 18 games in a row. The fact that they had a season where they won 19 total, right? Like that is just as stark a contrast as you can imagine. And my high for the week came from the commentators, I don't remember, I think it might have been the last game against the Warriors. They were talking about, in their conversations with Chris Paul, how much this team just likes each other. Like, they like spending time together. They've got dinners throughout the week. Chris talks about when he's not at practice, he just genuinely misses hanging out with the guys. And it is just, it, is, it seems like something special. Like, I know it's all cliche and fluffy, and it's my favorite team, and I get that but you don't hear that about entire teams within professional sports. Like you'll hear Kyle and Damar are like BFFs and we call each other's moms, our mom type of thing. Like you'll see that in pairs. You'll see that in like a player coach dynamic, but it is rare when you have an entire group that genuinely likes being together, even outside of basketball. And maybe that's the college basketball guy in me that just says those things matter, right? Like you see those runs in college basketball where it's a group of guys that have played together for four years. They have this connection on and off the court. They've been through crap together and that shows up. I get shows up in the, in, on the court, maybe not with tangible statistics, but I just see this group that genuinely loves each other. They love playing together. That helps in terms of, egos and understanding your roles. And we've talked about that multiple times. And then even when Mikhail gets hurt, seeing the emotional reaction from Monty and Chris, like these dudes just genuinely seem to care about each other and win or lose. I love being able to cheer for a team that has that sort of a situation. And I think Monty is incredibly responsible for that. I think the guy is just the best, Um, but that was my high for the week. Like the loss to the warriors. It didn't derail anything for the season. Right. Like, if you told me that the Suns would have this start, are you kidding me? I got to take that 10 times out of 10. And then if you told me that they started one in three and it led to this, I mean, that's incredible. So I think Philip and I know we've mentioned it when we were having our our separate conversations. I usually give any team in any league 25% of their season to then be able to judge who they are and what they're going to be. We're at that point. Right. You can look up the standings and see through a quarter of the season. This is what we've seen from the teams. And if you're looking at the Suns, you got to feel good. So that's my high. I'm really happy to be a Suns fan if that's not incredibly clear. But we will move on. We finally have a loss to talk about. Not saying I'm excited that we lost, but we do have a loss to talk about. So we move from our highs to our lows. Ryan kicking us off lows in Phoenix Suns basketball for this last week. Milo, I, I feel
1: like you and Philip of the three of us definitely represent the more analytical side of our, our analysis for games, right? So I think it's only fitting uh, that Milo is kind of directed towards the fan base. And it's this really overwhelming chip on the shoulder that people have been uh, expressing, especially on Twitter, in regards to the national media's Preach, representation of the Suns. Uh, and I'm getting really tired of it, how, how upset and worked up people are getting about they don't talk about us enough. They're not giving us our due. Who cares if you're relying on the national media for, to represent the Suns in any way? You're listening to the wrong folks. Those people don't even know basketball. Case in point, watch Stephen A. Smith get owned by J.J. J. Redick the other day when J.J. J. dunked on him and probably risked his job at ESPN, calling Stephen A. Smith a clown for his take on the Suns, being, you know, no chance at the, at the finals this season. I'm just... I'm tired of seeing how we're going to get if, You don't think the Suns championship window has closed? I, you know, I personally don't. But what do I know? <laughs> I'm not Stephen A. Smith. Anyway, True. guys, if, you, if you're looking for validation for, for the Suns, it's out there. But listen to people who know basketball. Go listen to some different podcasts. The people who know basketball aren't going to be on ESPN and Fox Sports. They are the people creating podcasts on a variety of different networks. And when those people are talking basketball, the Suns are in every conversation. Sorry for the rant that's been building up for a few days, but that's my low of the week. Cause I, I'm, I'm really disappointed that people aren't able to enjoy what we're having because they're so jaded by the national media.
2: Here's the thing. I rest as my case. A, I'm not trying to cause beef in the, in the podcast with YouTube being brothers, but as a little brother, eventually, eventually it gets to a point where you just have to shut up about the fact that you're the little brother and just go smack the big brother around on the court. And that's what the Suns should do. Yeah. 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 On the court, on the court and off the court, for being honest, a couple of times. I punched Ryan once and it was a horrible decision and (laughs) I never tried it again. Yeah. But that's, I think that's a, that's a good attitude to have. And it's a good place to be in. There's a, there's a saying I like that says stay low and keep firing and Suns fans stay low and keep firing, man. You have one of the best teams in the league, if not the best team in the league, top to bottom. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. This is special.
1: And I feel like people are missing the joy of what we're seeing
0: because they're worked up about clowns who know nothing about basketball. And the thing is, and it's not a, a blanket statement for all of the mainstream media. Like Zach no. Lowe, you know, he's with ESPN, he knows basketball. Like, you want to listen to someone who knows basketball, listen to them. But we're Kevin talking o- the talking heads I know, those pundits. But like, if there's yeah. plenty of good stuff, like if you want to go to someone who actually knows what they're talking about, isn't a Suns fan, if you don't want, whatever bias you think you might be getting from us like there's good people out there you just need to, to go find them but i i agree like even even certain announcers for certain suns home games were tweeting nonsense <laughs> about like why are they not talking in the first 1 minute about the suns and they talked about this and if we were th-? who cares man like you have your mic it's during the game right game's over You talk about the suns on TV all the time and I love you for it. And it's wonderful. You talk about how valuable two pointers are and how three pointers should never exist. I hear you. That doesn't mean you got to keep talking. And so just let this be. And for the fans that were coming at me on Twitter about this affects their wallet because all NBA stuff's voted by the media. That's fine. Law of averages. There's probably plenty of smart people in there, right? Like, It'll buff itself out. If you're concerned over Stephen A. Smith's vote for an all NBA, worry about other things in life because who cares? And I'm pretty sure Devin Booker can poop out more money than I will make this year. I don't know how that works scientifically, but I think he'll be all right. You know, like it is what it is. Ryan, I'm with you. And I'm guessing plenty of people who are listening right now are not going to like half of what we said. And that is okay. Hey, I'm. I'm have any complaints that none of our, the Brightside Network? I was, was going to say none much. of
1: our Brightside fans are this way. I'm sure it's everybody else. I'm sure it's everybody else.
0: Yeah. Am I coming a little too hot for episode sure. two with
1: Brightside here?
0: Hey, I mean, well, I think it's great stuff, uh, Philip. We're going to pivot away from the wonderful mainstream media and their fake news, and we're going to hit you with <laughs> hey, a high for the week in Phoenix Suns basketball. What you got? Uh, it's, oh, a low. Hello. Sorry, I was so excited about Ryan's flow that I was like, <laughs> we're vibing. Is that man. actually a high? I'm like, this is great. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, Ryan's Ryan thinking his truth and being moved by the Holy Spirit is a high for the week. So, sorry, Philip. What's your low, And hey, that's
2: what recording on Sundays does to you, you know? That's true. All right, my, my high was the defense on Tuesday and my low is going to be the defense on Friday. Yep. But it's going to be, it's going to be uh, hopefully contextualized and nuanced just a little bit. Uh, the Warriors did a really good, good job on Friday night of putting guys like JTA uh, Toscano Anderson for those who might not know Gary Payton the second and even Bialita in positions where they could be very successful and they did that by a high screen near midcourt to get Mikhail off Steph you saw this a lot so what the Warriors did was they they brought Wiggins up most of the time or one of their other wings up to set a screen for Steph and a lot of times he was drifting to the left side of the court to get usually Shamit switched on to Steph and then what happened was Steph didn't need a pick to get by Shamit he could drive hard left and it got the son scrambling on the defensive end and that's what led to a whole lot of dunks and layups from JTA and GP2 and the point of attack defense just wasn't quite there on, on Friday, especially especially when it was outside the context of a traditional pick and roll. So that's, that's a little picky, but if you're going to get down to playoff series or later on in the season where you're needing to lock a team like the Warriors down, point of attack defense is going to have to make it a little bit harder on Steph just so the defense isn't scrambling around. Because when the defense scrambles around, a team like the Warriors, who is so good at moving the ball, is just going to pick you apart. And that's where you get JTA going for 17 points and Gary Payton II going for 19. Yeah,
0: I, it was a weird game. Not not the best performance from the Suns. Defensively, I think, Philip and I don't know if we talked about it on, I don't think you've really talked about much of it, but even just watching the Warriors adapt in terms of how they defended the Suns kind of standard sets. Are you going to discuss that in your just so you know? if no, not, I can't. I think I, think I, I enjoyed listening to you here just as a fan of basketball. So if you want to nerd out for a second, I thought that was really interesting hearing you talk about that. If you want to t- touch on that in the defensive woes. So
2: you saying you want me to talk about the Warriors defense?
0: Yeah, the way they were defending the typical pick
2: and roll set. Yeah, the Suns man, run they, over and over and over. They brought up when the second game. So this was the game on Friday where they did a really good job. Uh, Wiggins met Chris Paul at half court a vast majority of the game. And the sets just become a little bit clunky. Not not necessarily in a way that the Suns can the Suns can do anything about, but that free flowing offense is harder to get into if Wiggins is all the way up at the half court line, putting pressure on putting pressure on Chris Paul. And then when Looney's not in the lineup, Wiggins is pressuring Chris Paul at half court. And then the best case scenario is to set a pick for him. And then he has to stare down someone like Draymond Green, another really good, really good defender. So again, where the Suns were lacking at the point of attack, I thought for a good chunk of the game, the Warriors did a really good job. And then during both games, really, the little snap action that the suns run, which is where they run one of their wings off of a pick and roll that they run. it's not the same thing as this Spain that's become really famous on sun twitter. it's the it's a snap. It's where the wings will flare out to one of the sides of the pick and roll. The warriors were doing a really beautiful, just like three way switch against the suns, and that was just getting the suns out of their out of their normal rotation. So again, if you want to summarize all of this it's point of attack defense. Can you disrupt the way the opposing team wants to get into their offense? On Tuesday, the Suns disrupted the Warriors. On Friday, the Warriors disrupted the Suns. And I think that had a huge impact on both of the games. Yeah.
0: And the way you described it, I think clicks into something I was going to mention. It felt very similar to a game one, game two in a playoff series. You don't see a lot of coaching adjustments in the regular series Usually just roll out what you do and it works. And if it doesn't work, you just try it again the next day. This looks like, hey, we had game one, no offense, Pistons. And then game two comes along. The Warriors made adjustments. Defensively, they attacked in a really good and different way. And it worked. Um, and my low for the week is actually just the Suns putrid shooting uh, on, on Friday. And I'm not trying to bag on any one player. I do just want to read the stats and let them speak for what they are. Uh, If you look for total field goal percentage, the Suns shot 38%. And now you're like, wow, Ethan, that is bad basketball. Now, what if I told you that those were actually inflated by Jalen Smith going three for three in the last minute? If you remove his three for three, the Suns shot 35.8% from the field. From three, they were eight of 22, which is good for... 36%. And if you're curious, Steph Curry alone shot 11 threes and they shot 39 threes. So that is a 17 three point differential between attempts between the teams. Not great. Add on top of that, the the Warriors shot 48% on their 39 attempts. And then the number that actually made me want to go look at the percentages was the free throw percentage. The Suns last year were a historically like historically, historically, not just for the Suns, for the NBA, good free throw shooting team. They were locked in across the board and it was a rough night shooting 26 of 35, good for 74%. And the bummer is the one like shining bright spot is eight and going nine of 11, which is wonderful. He needs to be shooting more free throws, but he shot seven of 16 from the field, which is a far from standard eight and night, and then Ryan, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to close your ears for this one, buddy. I, dude, I know. Campaign was three of seventeen, a minus thirty for the game. And you might say, oh well, they got crushed. Everyone's plus minuses look awful. That is not true. Jay Crowder in his 31 minutes was a plus two. Shamit was a plus two in his 27 minutes. There were players with rotations that didn't include campaign that actually did all right, but campaign. I mean, what did he? What was it to start like O of fourteen or something? Incredibly nuts like that. O of nine. I, I've not seen a listen, Suns player be that shooters off. shoot. Okay, but is he a shooter though? <laughs> you feel like know your place if the shot like listen. This is coming from a dude who at prime rec league basketball was a chunky five, two. If my shot wasn't going down, I flipped the switch and said, I'm going to facilitate. If I cannot help the team in this way, I will find another way to do it. And that just didn't happen, man. And it was tough to watch a guy run into a brick wall over and over and over. And that's how I felt watching him. And it good for him. He got one. Got on a little bit of a roll, kind of found himself, but at the end of the day, that is just, I mean, a massive detriment. When you're 26 minutes, you're a minus 30. That's rough, man. And there were a lot of other players that weren't exactly hitting. Um, I do want to talk about my bro, before I pass over to you, Philip, my boy Landry Shamit. I didn't talk about him in my highs because there's other stuff to talk about, but I will continue to hitch my wagon to the Sham Wow himself, big old three. Under a minute in the first game against the Warriors, the first time the lead really kind of extended and it looked like the game was over. I'm happy for him. I'm proud of him. Son's Twitter needs to leave him alone because he seems like a very sweet man. That is all. I'm sorry. Philip, what were you going to say about things that are
2: probably more important than my love of Landry Shaman? I'm going to give a um, brief addendum to what you said. The analytics nerds will say there's not a correlation between single game plus minus and winning, but sometimes the eye test is just right. And you are absolutely correct. The campaign was awful on Friday night. Absolutely terrible.
1: I'm going to have to take a leaf of absence from the podcast. It was legitimately
2: the
0: worst single player performance I can. To be fair,
1: Ethan, I did tell you in the middle of the game, oh, it was campaign is killing us. I'm aware.
0: Legitimately blind or watching a different basketball game to look and be like he's doing all right. Like it was tough. Like when the graphic that they're throwing up on ESPN or TNT is like, "Oh of whatever." You're like, "Oh, that's that's a tough one." But no, yeah. There's my low. Let's move past it. Uh Philip, as we go into our just so you knows in Phoenix Suns basketball for the week, uh what do you have prepared? I already know Ryan said his was non-basketball related, so I'm
1: Spoiler alert,
0: Barry, Come I'm, on. I'm, I'm
1: hyping
2: you up, bro. I'm getting okay, people excited. Okay, okay, okay.
0: okay, okay. Phillip, Phillip, what you got in there, just so he
2: knows. Suns fans, if you're watching on YouTube, look me in the eyes. Suns I, fans, if can you're Can I on, do
0: it as well? In, yep. Okay. If
2: you're on audio, listen carefully. With your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> These games this week against the Warriors were very fun. They give you ideas of what a series can be, but they, because of people who were out, because of the fact that we're in December- in no way can reasonably predict that a series between these two teams heavily skewed towards one team or the other. They just don't. Don't use these to predict into the future. Use them to see where your team is now. And Suns fans, again, eye contact, your team is in a really good spot.
0: That was beautiful. Thank you. I also enjoyed the eye contact. I As a stranger watching on YouTube, I don't know if they will enjoy it. Uh, For an audio person, I don't know if they felt like you were peering into their soul. Uh, But I loved it. Ryan, just so you know, my man. All right. So from time to time, I put out non-basketball related. uh, Just so you
1: know, it's a few weeks ago. It was to encourage you to watch Dune. This week, it's to let you know there's a really wholesome story going around on Twitter right now uh, in Denmark there was a huge snowstorm. All right. Are you with me in Denmark? There's a huge snowstorm. And, a group of 25 Ikea workers got snowed into their Ikea with six customers and the 31 strangers spent the night together in an Ikea. Um, they put their furniture together uh, to form a little living room and they watched Christmas movies together and watched a soccer match together. They went to the dining room that all Ikeas have and had meals together and they played cards and they all slept in the showroom beds. And it just sounded like a fun, wholesome movie of 31 strangers stranded together in a snowstorm. And I knew I was going to rant about the Sunspan, So I wanted to leave us with something wholesome. Uh, I'll retweet it from my personal account. I don't necessarily think our podcast uh, Twitter think, needs to I retweet think, the story. I think
0: I might miss that one. Uh,
1: but it's just a really wholesome story. And in a time where there's a lot of really unfortunate things taking place uh, in our world, it's fun to get these wholesome, uh, enjoyable stories out
0: there and just makes you feel good. All right. Well, thank you. I You're welcome. It. I love you for who you are. I'm the voice of the fan, okay? That's, well, I'm glad that you said that because here's the deal. I I try to avoid the spice when at all possible in my life. But I'm about to say some things that I know Suns fans may not be thrilled about. That is why I've kept them to the very end. My just so you knows for the week. Number one, the Golden State Warriors are good for the NBA. They play the most beautiful basketball. And if you think you would rather have the big villain in the West be the head down and pound the ball Lakers with angry LeBron over the fun-to-watch Golden State Warriors with likable role players that are young and hustling, you, you are silly, and I'm sorry. Number two, just so you know, if you don't think the Warriors are going to be better with Clay Thompson, you are insane. I have seen multiple Suns fans, and I may have heard it on a pod or two, say that Clay Thompson coming back <laughs> won't change things. You are, in, <laughs> you are insane. Go watch some basketball. Number three, if you think that Steph Curry is now unlikable and becoming a villain, you are ridiculous. You are creating a narrative in your head. He seems to be a sweet boy who seems happily married with some precious little kiddos, plays fun basketball, grinded as a Davidson Wildcat, much like Troy Bolton as an East High Wildcat in High School Musical 1, 2, and possibly 3. He is a likable guy. You need to be a little less ridiculous. If you want to hate on some basketball players, I will kindly show you a Grayson Allen or any other player that I would like to throw trash at. Jokic? yeah and his brothers, right? Like Jokic, fun basketball player to watch, takes dumb cheap shots. The Morris twins, be angry at them. Eric Bledsoe, tweet at him that you don't want to be here. That's funny. There's a lot of stuff out there where you can be upset about a basketball player being unlikable. I don't see how you could watch Steph Curry on the court and be like, dog, he sucks. Like he doesn't run his mouth. He doesn't pout. He doesn't whine for every call. No offense. If you're going to look at someone running the point who could be a tad irritating, Chris Paul's your dude and we love him, right? Like, come on. So if you have managed to survive this entire podcast <laughs> and got to the end, I'm sorry. If you disagree, <laughs> as I said, email the Bright Side Podcast Network at at uh, Podcast Network Complaints, at Mr. Brightside, at thekillers.com, right? Don't come at me. Don't shoot the messenger. So with that said, that is my just so you know.
2: That's our episode. You wanna, basketball. If, if you want to argue on Twitter, at Philip underscore Russell 3, come at me about any of this. I'll defend any of these positions we showed out tonight.
0: I believe in us, especially the IKEA stuff. I really believe in that right ryan yeah i bet hey i bet they were listening to our podcast while they were trapped in that ikea (laughs) what else would you do you know i mean if you're listening right now what else could you be doing nothing as enjoyable as this i guarantee it well gentlemen what an episode that was um (laughs) i think we all had some takes hopefully some hits some misses we'll see but the beauty of this is Whether everything we said is true or we all look stupid, we get to talk about it again next week. Anyone got to close with anything before we call it an episode? No? No? Wonderful. Well, for Philip and for Ryan, I am Ethan, and this is Into the Valley, a Phoenix Suns podcast. And we out.